Welcome back to Podcast 20 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Shock Quality Bets. For 30% off Shock Quality Bets, please visit Shock Quality. Use the promo code ODDS23. Get a new perspective in betting college basketball. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our premium cappers to get their plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. If nothing else, please visit the Oddsbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. We have brackets, my friends. March Madness in full force right now, hitting hard. Lots and lots to talk about. We have lots going on at theoddsbreakers.com. March Madness, NCAA cappers. We have some fantastic individuals giving out plays. There's going to be some free plays. We're going to write about every single game in the quadrants. We're all assigned a quadrant. Uh, Not necessarily going to give out a premium play there, but some of us might. And there will definitely be some free plays sprinkled in. But if you'd like to just subscribe to one of us for a month or whatever it is, all of our packages are at theoddsbreakers.com. I was 62% last year in March Madness, up a boatload of units, around 40. So uh, hopefully you guys can cash in with us. And if not, thank you so much for being a fan of the Oddsbreakers and listening to all of our content. You guys are the best, and we would not be here without you. Well, we have a great show for you today because Kyle Hunter is coming on the show to break down all of Thursday's games, as well as some trends and some venue location info at the Odds Breakers podcast tonight. I'm actually recording the intro here today, and I'm going to go over a few things before Kyle comes on. First and foremost, our bracket challenge. We are giving away $500 to the top three finishers at theoddsbreakers.com, just like every single year, all you need to do is give us a five-star review, take a screenshot, and send it to info at theoddsbreakers.com. If you already did that, take a screenshot of a retweet that will do just as well to qualify for one of the top prizes. Love the NCAA tournament, and I had to make a little adjustment this year. I don't like the tournaments that are so heavily weighted at the very end. It really just makes people all pick one seeds. Now, it's still going to be weighted at the end, of course. It's just not as drastic as some others. I see some that give you the championship game uh, double the price of getting just the final game correct or the final four correct four times as much. I completely disagree with that. I do think that you do need some credit for picking the right teams, but we don't want to take away the smaller seeds and some of those big upsets that you pick along the way. So make sure you check that out at theoddsbreakers.com. Also want to talk about a listener question, Mr. Glenn Middleton, a longtime listener to this podcast at theoddsbreakers.com and great dude sent us a question about how the seating is sometimes biased by the committee. And there is bias in a lot of the seedings. First of all, I don't want to give the committee too much credit to completely say that they know what they're doing. 
when setting up the bracket. <laughs> I think they make attempts for certain teams to go farther than others. In some cases, I don't think the Big Ten was well represented, especially with Kevin Warren leaving. But just like Kevin Warren and many others, a lot of these uh, people that are on the committee do not know a heck of a lot about basketball. They just kind of follow the net rankings and things like that and make some decisions just based on quadrant one wins, quadrant three losses, and things like that. They have no idea uh, about factoring in injuries. Uh, they do sometimes, I guess, but in, in general, when they look at their resume, the main factors is uh, how many games you won, <laughs> you know, uh, a little bit more than strength of schedule. You know, I, I think that's why you see Rutgers on the outside looking in, being that they're 19 and 14, even though they had massive quad one wins versus Purdue, Northwestern, I guess Ohio State's on the borderline now, Michigan State, Indiana, you know, didn't have the easiest or hardest non-conference. They did lose some non-conference games, but their strength of record, I think, was a lot harder than Nevada's, you know, and they put Nevada in, you know, so it, it makes no sense in some some situations, especially when it comes to Creighton and UConn. Look, Creighton's a six seed. I mean, the, the, the time they lost was without Cockbrenner for about a little over half of December and late November, but when he came back, they were fantastic. You know, a great team. They won like eight games in a row. They dropped some close ones too, but I mean, this Creighton team is at number 13 on Ken Tom, a six seed, and then you have UConn, a four seed. You know, some of this stuff just doesn't make sense. But what they do like to do is kind of lean towards the money. Being that North Carolina, out of 10 chances at quad one wins only wins one of them. And the fact that they are the part of the last four out pretty much tells you all you need to know about that. And Duke big money team for the NCAA tournament. There's a lot of Duke fans out there for no reason whatsoever. Tony Romo is a Duke fan. You know, they bring a lot of money in. And even though they're a five seed, I think they are set up extremely well against Oral Roberts. Now, my first inclination was, oh, that's kind of tough on Duke playing Oral Roberts. But at the same time, after I think about it, Oral Roberts, when they finally play a team that has defense, they can certainly lose. They lost to Houston by like 30 to 40 points. They lost to St. Mary's the first game. They lost away at New Mexico and had a very easy Summit League to go through. Now they're going to be playing Connor Vanover, their 7-5 center, who's their second leading scorer and leading re rebounder against maybe the best center in Kyle Filipowski at Duke. That is exactly the matchup that Oral Roberts doesn't like. You know, I don't think the committee wants to see Oral Roberts go far. You know, a lot of these committee members are more politicians, more journalists that like to talk about things like colors and feelings and things like that more than actual basketball itself. Oral Roberts is a Christian school. They already made a little bit of a run a couple years ago. They actually got punished more than anybody else against Duke, in my opinion, right? Look at the other five seeds and 12 seeds. Charleston versus San Diego State. That's a very winnable game if San Diego State plays like they normally do away from home. Drake versus Miami. Miami's a good team. But man, if I'm Oral Roberts, I'd much rather play Miami 
I think Duke is underseeded. They should be a three seed the way they finished their season and the fact that they were injured during the year. Whitehead missed a bunch of games in the middle, four or five games, and so did Roach, Jeremy Roach. You know, he missed about three, three and a half games down the, no, four games here, four and a half games down the stretch, kind of throughout the December, early January times. So missing those two players was, should have factored in more. But it's set up extremely well for Duke because Purdue's the number one seed. What's the problem with Purdue? Fouls. What if Zach Easy gets in foul trouble? They're completely screwed without that. No Travion Williams this year for Purdue? You know, that, that's going to be a massive issue. Matt Painter is going to have to get red in the face, I think, a few times during this tournament. You know? I mean, th- th- nobody else is good inside, really, on this team. Uh, They can hit a few threes sometimes. Uh, They don't have one shooter that shoots over 40% three. Braden Smith is at 38.9%. Some teams have two guys that shoot 40 over three, but that's where they can get beaten. Guess what? Kyle Filipowski again. You know, so this really set up extremely well for Duke. Marquette, decent two seed. Maybe not the worst because of UCLA's injured, but... (laughs) minus that, yeah, Marquette would be the worst two seed in the whole side. So, yes, that's correct. I think that Duke got a very favorable draw being where they're at. Where would you rather be? Virginia in this situation that has to play Furman, a pretty tough Furman team, and then they have to play San Diego State most likely. (laughs) That's not good for them. And then, of course, Alabama. In the Sweet 16, <laughs> you know, I'd much rather play Purdue in the Sweet 16 and be the five-seed Duke instead of the four-seed Virginia. So you kind of see how that all set itself up uh, in this tournament. So in my opinion, Kansas got the one seed, but they don't want to see Kansas win again. They gave them UConn as a four-seed. They gave them a really good TCU, the best six-seed out there, in my opinion. They, Gonzaga the three-seed? Is Gonzaga the best three-seed? You have Xavier, you have Baylor, no defense, no playing well away from home, and Kansas State. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely would say Gonzaga is the best three seed there. So they had a pretty rough. UCLA, we'll see if they can uh, pull it together without their big man, their uh, best defender in Jane Lee Clark. So yes, uh, I, I think things do set up well. As far as the committee in general, I mean, they did an okay job. I I guess Rutgers is my argument there a little bit, and why the heck is Nevada in? But everybody else you can pick apart, you know. But is it somewhat set up really well for certain teams like Duke? Absolutely. And that's why you should look on a future price on Duke to possibly make it Sweet 16, Final Four, or to the championship game. All right, my friends. That's enough about the seeding itself. I want to get right into the dirty into these games, starting with all the games on Thursday. I think we might even talk a little bit about the playing games with Mr. Kyle Hunter from Hunter Sports Picks. Now, I'm very excited to welcome back one of my longest and most knowledgeable guests when it comes to handicapping college basketball to the odds breakers and my partner in crime on Better Odds Sports Betting, 
Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Well, Kyle, here we are, my man. We always talk about it. The madness is here. How you been? Man, this is a busy week. I love this time of the year. Uh, like I said, Selection Sunday. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Um, looking forward to the game starting. Uh, busy week. Got a lot to get accomplished here this week, and we're going to break down a lot of games here today. Yeah, we certainly are. It is a lot locked and loaded, man. This packet is ready to roll, and there is lots to talk about. And, of course, there's lots of other tournaments going on as well. As Kyle very familiar with these smaller tournaments. Sometimes both of us find some more value in those tournaments as well. We're going to try to keep this one sticking to March Madness uh, for the NCAA tournament as much as possible. But hey, maybe at the end we can uh, have some time to talk a little bit about the smaller tournaments. Kyle, uh, well, it, here we are. We have a bracket. I don't know if you filled one out yet. But uh, <laughs> I think you always like to wait until the end, and I'm actually waiting as well. Uh, I want to get through all the cap, and I did a quick one just to kind of line things up, but I'll have my real Final Four done by Thursday morning. But wh- how do you think the committee did from a seating perspective in general? Yeah, I mean, I, you can always have some qualms. I think Texas A&M got hosed. Yeah, I was shocked they were seven thought they'd be a five or possibly even a four. It seems like the committee doesn't um, weigh recency and how, how you do in a conference tournament as much as what you would think. Um, that was one that I thought was a strange one. I'm a bit surprised that Duke only got a five seed, uh, especially them being Duke. Uh, I think that uh, Xavier getting a three was surprising to me. You know, Xavier hasn't played great. I know they made it to the finals in the Big East tournament, but in general, I didn't think they did terribly. This is not one of the worst jobs I've seen by uh, selection committees or anything like that. Uh, Rutgers, as far as being in or out, I, I'm surprised they weren't in. But let's be honest, they kind of have themselves to blame, too, the way they played over the last month of the season. When they blew that 10-point lead to Minnesota with a minute left, that was probably what sealed the deal for them. It's an ugly loss right there, my friend, losing to Minnesota. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't help you get in the tournament. Um you know, it's it's weird. Uh, both our teams didn't make it, and it's funny. You have eight Big Ten teams. Your Ohio State Buckeyes, my Wisconsin Badgers didn't make it, and it's kind of, if you asked me before the season if neither of these teams would make it, I've been pretty surprised. You know, I, I actually expected a, while, a lot more from Ohio State, and lo and behold, the very end, they make a decent little run, kind of showing <laughs> that they're way better than the, what, 12 games they lost in a row in Big Ten play? So I thought that was a little strange. But sticking to the subject here, yeah, I thought Rutgers kind of got screwed if you compare them to Nevada or some of those teams that got in. Uh, West Virginia I'm not super impressed with. Um, Totally understand uh, like the the NC State, but I thought the NC State probably should have been a play-in game. And I think they're in because the ACC was just hurting so bad. They just wanted more representation from that conference. I almost felt that they added another one from the Mountain West because they were ranked higher than the ACC. So I thought that was a little strange. But you know what? Just like you said, Rutgers had their chances. When there's 64 teams to 68 teams when you count the plans, you don't really have a leg to stand on, you know? Uh, In football, it's like, okay, we can argue about the final four teams a little bit. There's there's (laughs) people that might have kind of gotten screwed. But if, if you're like the 64th team or something, it's like, first of all, man, you're not the best and you shouldn't be playing for the best. So uh, I understand that part of it as well. 
I am surprised to see Xavier a three seed, UConn a four seed, and Creighton a six seed. It's just completely backwards to me from the power of these teams, and it absolutely made no sense. So I was a little surprised at that. It's like a lot of years you think that they don't really care so much about the tournament, but they did care about the Big East tournament. Marquette was the healthiest team, and so you know they're, they're, lo and behold, the two seed here, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, Marquette, they kind of were against the odds all year. I think they were picked, what, ninth in the Big East or something preseason. Shaka Smart's done a great job. I know he didn't have a great tenure at Texas, but otherwise he's been a very good head coach and uh, props to them for for a nice run. Overall, I think, um, you know, we're always going to have somebody upset about something on Selection Sunday. But overall, you know, I, I think it was a fine job. Um, they're always going to pit some of those mid-majors against each other, too. I'm not a big fan of that, uh, trying to knock out some of those smaller teams early on. But here we are. We've got a, a nice bracket here. No, I haven't filled out my bracket yet. Uh, I'm probably going to wait till Wednesday night to do that, Kiev. I always put precedence on trying to figure out what I'm going to take as far as uh, bets and then figure out the bracket second of all. And I, I don't call myself some kind of bracket expert or anything. You know, I just kind of do it for fun. And, you know, obviously if I do well, everybody in the family is like, oh, well, you should do well. You know, of course you follow this all the time. And uh, otherwise, you know, it is what it is. I'm more worried about the bets from game to game than I am from the bracket, but the bracket's always fun too. That's what, there's so much about March Madness. Uh, Kiev, I think I've probably told you this before. This is my favorite sporting event of the year. Um, I love March Madness a lot and uh excited to uh break it down here today it is my favorite sporting event as well i totally agree been loving it since the 90s and you know it's fun now we have our kids fill out brackets and i'm sure dane's gonna fill one out and jordan on your side of the fence you know maybe we have to get them into our bracket challenge here at the odds breakers together and uh, have them face off a little bit yes yes we will definitely do it well that's awesome so can't wait for that let's get back to the ncaa tournament itself and talk about what you like to talk about or specialize in is a lot of these systems and sometimes these systems work and uh let's just look at the venues itself is there any numbers on these early game venues that make any sense from a totals perspective well kiev you knowing me as well as you do um when the when i saw the locations I immediately was looking down through the locations and going, okay, let's see. Hopefully there's some really big under venue here. I was really disappointed when I was looking through the numbers here, hoping for a, you know, Honda Center in Anaheim or a, a uh, Enterprise Arena in St. Louis or Madison Square Garden. Now, Madison Square Garden does come up next week, and we will point out that Madison Square Garden unders have been absolute money in the bank, especially first half unders there. So, Keep that in mind for the Sweet 16 uh, round coming up next week. The only one that even uh, when looking running a query on uh, stood out at all was uh, the BJCC Arena, the Birmingham location, 26 and 17 to the under. A decent amount of these games have gone under by quite a few points. So I, I think you could at least say that this is a venue that would lean to the under some. And we will talk about some games here that will be played there in Birmingham, but 26 and 17 is not a big enough sample for me to be wildly excited about taking it. It's not not a situation where I'm just going to be blindly betting these unders. It's just something, uh, you know, that you would want to consider as part of your handicap. Yeah, for sure. And that's where you have in the South bracket, 
a lot of these Thursday games, and as well as the Midwest bracket, uh, a couple of those games will be played in Birmingham, Alabama. And so I always like to look at uh, bracket pictures with the locations as well. I think it's real important yeah. in the for your handicap. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the Madison Square Garden uh, time as well. What about any systems or trends based on the first round in general, Kyle? All right, so let's look at um, some college basketball NCAA tournament. Some of these are not specific to the first round. Some of them are specific to the first round. So um, let's go with the first round one first, or I'll say first weekend, because when you're listening to this, you're probably going to be thinking about both the round of 64, the round of 32 as well. This is teams with a turnover advantage. So I'm going to try to repeat this a couple times because it's a little bit complex. You're backing a team who averages 11.4 turnovers per game or fewer, who's playing against a team that has 11.5 turnovers per game or more. It's 171 and 116, which is almost 60%, 59.6% dating back to 2011. Now, Kiev, if you break this down a little bit more and filter it um, to underdogs only, so you're backing an underdog, it's 80 and 43 against the spread. So you want a dog that takes care of the basketball versus a favorite that doesn't take care of the basketball very well. I think this makes sense to me. Uh, we know how much turnovers matter. You know, this is uh, it's free possessions for the other team. You got to be super efficient. You got to be very good at shooting if you're going to turn the ball over that many times. So in the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament, backing those teams who take good care of the basketball against teams who don't take as good a care of the basketball has been a really good winning angle. Um, it's actually one, too, if you go forward in the NCAA tournament more as well, but it's the highest at the beginning, which I think does make sense because there are some teams early on, uh, especially some of those lower-ranked teams that play in the smaller conferences. Some of them can be pretty bad with uh, ball handling. Um, and, you know, sometimes we get these major conference teams that are a bit sloppy with the basketball, but they can get away with it because of their athleticism. But then those are the teams that are ripe for uh, being upset by Cinderella. So we'll see if we can find some of those Cinderella teams. But teams with the turnover advantage, definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm going to go right into the second one. Uh, just being a contrarian, Kiev, you know, this is where uh, some people are going to tell you that what the public bets doesn't matter. I think it does matter in the NCAA tournament. I absolutely do. Um, I'm not one of those guys that say, you know, pros versus Joes, and that's what I want to bet everything on all throughout the course of the year. I think that's really overrated looking at the bet percentages. You know, you have to argue uh, whether those are actually completely accurate is also something, uh, you know, because sometimes those are delayed. Sometimes you might not be getting the most accurate data, but it is pretty easy to tell who the public likes in several of these games without even the betting percentages telling you that. Um, and in these spots, uh, I'm going to give you one first to start with. Um, just a real simple one. Team receiving 40% of the bets or fewer, 288 and 241. That's 54.4% against the spread. It's a little over 55% in the round of 64. So it's just a little bit higher in the round of 64 than it has been for the tournament overall. I know this is not the highest percentage. It's not some 80% angle or anything fantastic like that. But if you give me something that over the span of 15 years has been 54.4% in a large sample size, it's something that I at least want to pay attention to. Um, we don't want to be on the same side as 
is everybody else betting here? Because to be frank, uh, the public is not very good at betting the NCAA tournament. You know, a lot of people lose betting the NCAA tournament. So um, these are a lot of people who didn't pay attention to college basketball throughout the course of the season. And now all at once they, you know, jump into it, dive headfirst into betting college basketball in March when they didn't follow teams throughout the course of the season. Now, if you're tuned into the odds breakers, if you've tuned into better odds, uh, sports betting, then I assume you've been paying attention throughout the course of the season. That doesn't really apply to you, but it's good to know that there are a lot of those betters out there this time of the year. So Kiev, the final one, and I'll just roll right through these here. Sure. Uh, fading the trendy underdog. We've talked about this one in the past because um, it's again fading the public, but it's a little bit more specific here. Backing a favorite of 10 points or fewer when they're receiving less than half the bets. Uh, 150 and 120, which is 55.3% since 2006. Uh, also note, if you filter down by betting on teams who have covered the spread in 50%, or lower of their games on the year, the angle jumps to 60.1% since 2006. I would say the reason for that is those other teams are getting a bit too overvalued because they've been covering the numbers so much throughout the course of the season. Um, more often than not in the NCAA tournament, you see teams who actually weren't great at covering the number in the regular season have covered pretty well in the NCAA tournament because if anything, they were undervalued. So in this case, uh, those trendy underdogs can be super dangerous. You know that. Um, this angle did not do well last year. So this will something that I, I be something that I want to kind of keep an eye on going forward because this angle had been amazing. Last year it didn't do well. Some of those trendy underdogs did cash. So let's see what happens here this year. But I tend to think that the the angle dating back to 2006 is probably still a pretty good one. Trendy underdogs. I can just think of five twelve upsets that are pretty trendy oh, that that tend to pop in. I think Oral Roberts might get a few bets this year against Duke, so we'll get into that as well. Go, great stuff, man. Uh, that is some awesome information to know coming into this tournament. Anything that doesn't get forty percent of the bets, be careful what you're doing there. <laughs> you know, you know, you you want to be on some of those teams that aren't trendy. And you want to be fading uh, the public in these certain situations, too. And uh, a lot of them get their information from just, you know, watching uh, the analysts on TV and things like that. And they're filling their bracket out. But doesn't mean that the spread is the same information as the bracket itself. So that's very important to uh, look at. So let's get into a few games. Now, before we get into the uh, NCAA tournament itself, there's a, there's a few playing games. There's a couple on Tuesday, a couple on Wednesday. Is there anything there that you like? I have one in case you don't. I haven't bet any of these yet. Um, I tend to not bet a lot on these play-in games. I think they can be a bit inconsistent. Uh, there's one that I do like aside some here, and that, that's Texas Southern. I don't know if that's the, the same game as what you were looking at or not, but Texas Southern out of SWAC, a team that was picked to win the SWAC over the course of the season. They did not play well. They get hot at the end of the year, run through the SWAC tournament, um, win, the, win the SWAC conference tournament. I think they have been in this situation so many times before uh, playing in Dayton against a fairly Dickinson team that played a really, really weak schedule. Uh, Texas Southern, you know, they played a really brutal schedule. I think they had the top five non-conference strength of schedule. I think Texas Southern minus two 
Uh, it looks like the prevailing number there. I think that's a pretty good look there for, I believe that one's on Wednesday night. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yes, I believe it is. And the, it, what's funny about Fairleigh Dickinson, they don't deserve to be in the tournament, Kyle, no, no. at all. Yeah. I mean, Merrimack beat them in their tournament. Merrimack was better, but Merrimack isn't allowed in because of the stupid rule. Stupid. I think, what was it, five years they're supposed to be in Division One? Is that it? And this was their, I think this was the last year they weren't eligible, which is just kind of a shame because they built up the, the team, uh, then weren't able to play in it. They won the regular season and won the tournament and they can't play in it. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and I, and I gotta tell you, the Northeast conference is bad, bad. and uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just not good at all. And fairly, fairly Dickinson there lost to some really bad teams. Number 342nd, St. Francis, uh, number 330, Sacred Heart, number 343, Central Connecticut, Wagner, number 335, Stonehill. I mean, they're, they're just, there's nothing there. And uh, it's funny you mentioned Texas Southern does go to Dayton a lot and play this, <laughs> this play-in tournament. You know, come to think of it, that's actually a good one, man. I'm going to possibly be on that one with you. Uh, one I grabbed was, uh, I, I, I just... Went to Old Faithful, Arizona State here. I, I think Arizona State is playing a Nevada team that, like I said, doesn't have a lot of business being in the tournament. Is that why I bet them? Not necessarily just that, but I think they have some matchup advantages um, over Nevada as well. Um, they have a much better defense and a much harder schedule. If you look at some of the neutral courts that uh, ASU played, against some teams early i like how they beat michigan state i or, or michigan i like how they beat creighton on a neutral court i like how they beat vcu so uh they have a nice tournament run you know they did beat usc which i thought was somewhat impressive so i feel like they're kind of uh coming in a little bit hot right now while nevada if you remember they were terrible on the road you know sure they got some of the big wins in conference, in bad spots on some of these teams. I thought San Diego State wasn't in a good spot when they played. Uh, uh, Boise State and a couple of their wins. But everything else was a pretty bad loss. And they have no big wins in the non-conference. Only Sam Houston State was their best win in the non-conference. Losing to Oregon. Losing to Loyola. Marymount. Losing to Kansas State. So, I like ASU. I took them on the money line at minus 125. Because it could be a close game, but I would bet that one again. Yeah, I, the only problem I have with Arizona State is they're pretty inconsistent. I, I don't know that I'm that high on Bobby Hurley as a coach. Um, having said that, I would bet them if given those two choices, because I think Nevada is playing pretty poorly here to end this season. I'm surprised they were able to back into the tournament, yeah. having lost to Wyoming on the road, UNLV at home. And then San Jose State on a neutral in the last three games. There's nothing here recently from Nevada that would make me want to bet them in this game. Arizona State is uh, their upside is definitely there. You know they beat some good teams this year. If they come out with their A game, they're going to win this game, even if Nevada brings their A game. I think because I think uh, their upside is certainly higher. Um, Arizona State, I think it's interesting that Arizona State's probably in this tournament because they made that shot from behind half court. I mean, I assume they would not be in. Uh, was it, uh, I well, think it was Cambridge. 
hit that shot. Yeah, um, it, it was against Arizona, and yeah, it was an yeah. amazing shot. NAU just did that before, like a day or two before that, or whatever it was. Too it was just really crazy. Uh, the fireworks coming out of Arizona like that. But what what I will say is that um, maybe that shot was lucky, but they're that close to beating Arizona too. You got to right, give right. them, you know, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Sure. You know, when it comes to that, they do have some. Uh, a couple close losses. So if you want to say the USC loss uh, on March 4th was close, it was an away game, three point loss. They have a couple other ones uh, throughout the season too. So um, they funny, they lost to Texas Southern back in November. So there you go. Your Texas Southern team. There you go. Be on ASU and Texas Southern for the plans. Let's move to the tournament then. And we'll start right away and we can, there's 16 games here. We're, we're going to talk about 14 because we don't know about the play-ins. And we're just going to briefly touch on them. And we can pass if we decide. There's sometimes uh, not enough information on some of these injuries and stuff like that. But we'll start with West Virginia versus Maryland. Maryland's about plus 2.5. The total is 138.5. And this is played in Birmingham, Alabama. So this is might fit your trend a little bit. Um, I... I think this is going to be a really good game, to be honest with you. I, I even though like this, these teams are not eight and nine, not super impressive. I think Maryland is better than what they performed in the Big Ten. They are kind of bad away, uh, really good at home, but they have some more advantages from mid range and deep. The Terps rank sixty first in adjusted three point percentage, while West Virginia ranks 96 defending it. I think they can possibly hit some threes. Neither team's all that good inside, but Maryland's going to have the rebounding advantage here. Uh, West Virginia, they're not the typical Huggins team. Uh, you know, he used to be press Virginia for all those years, Kyle. That's kind of died off, it almost feels like, when watching this team. It's not nearly as as intense as what they used to do under Coach Bob Huggins there. So uh, what they are doing is they're the ones getting sloppy and turning the ball over. So I'm close to a Maryland bet on this, but I did take the under, and I believe I got it at a better number at about around the 140 range, Kyle. So I still lean to the under. And, hey, the fact that it's in Birmingham and you just brought up that trend kind of backs me up a little bit. Yeah, this game, uh, I think it all depends on which Maryland team shows up. Uh, you and I both use Haslametrics quite a bit. Haslametrics has Maryland as the number 363 team in consistency, which is there's 363 teams in the country. So who knows which team's <laughs> going to show up here? Yeah. Um, I don't like betting on teams like that very much because, you know, if they get run out of the gym, it's not going to surprise me. If they win easily, it's not going to surprise me. Uh, I think there's a lot of different things could happen in a game like this. I will say, Maryland fits the angle that I talked about at the beginning here about less turnovers. So you were talking about how West Virginia does turn the ball over quite a bit. Maryland fits. They are an underdog who commits less turnovers than the opponent. And that one was 80 and 43 against the spread. Now I do want to say, I think some context is important. There's not very many teams in the big 10 that really force a bunch of turnovers. And in the Big 12, there's several teams that are very good at forcing turnovers. So I don't think Maryland has really faced many teams that can force turnovers as much as West Virginia. So we'll see if they can uh, you know, be as good at taking care of the basketball as what they've been throughout the course of the season, playing against Big 10 uh, defenses who are not particularly aggressive 
especially in the full court. Now, West Virginia still doesn't press the way they used to, but they're still an aggressive team that fouls a lot because they trap a lot. Um, they're always going to try to get steals, even if it's in the half court. I, I think um, I think it's fair for us both to say we're both being Big Ten guys. Like you said, our, our teams are not uh, in the tournament, but both of us would say the Big 12 is a lot better than the Big Ten. You know, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think the line makes sense to me here. Um, the under was my lean as well, and it has gone down in that direction. So I agree with you. I mean, it's starting to get down to a point where it's hard to continue to recommend betting it because, uh, you know, it's gone down a couple points. I think if I were forced to bet a side here, I'd probably bet West Virginia in this one, Kiev, but I don't feel very confident about it. Yeah, it did go down three, four points. I did take it at 140.5, now looking back, and it's at 137.5. So maybe look at a first half under in this situation, which uh, trend really good in the NCAA tournament as well. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, yeah, it's uh, almost up to your current trend of less than 40% of the bets, too. So if we wait this one out, this might fit that bill as well, Kyle. It might. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next game. And we have Furman versus Virginia. And Virginia's minus five and a half. Uh, the total in this game, and let me pull up my bet Fred odds, make sure we're all lined up here, is 132. It looks like on bet Fred, 132. So that thing went down slightly as well. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, shout out to Steve over in the chat saying his two favorite guys and then saying, can Furman make a little run a great segue there by Steve right into this game. Um, Furman. I think Furman's a good team. Kiev. I do. I think they're a good mid major team. That is a dangerous matchup. You know, if you were going to pick out a team to play as a Furman too, that you might have a chance against, I think Virginia is a pretty good one to, to pick. Um, it, this is a, Virginia team that doesn't have a ton of firepower on offense. They're a good defense. One injury that's kind of gone under the radar is Ben Vanderplas being out for Virginia. Um, I believe he has a hand injury. I think he broke his hand. So Vanderplas was a good offensive player. Uh, now he's he's out. Ryan Dunn's been playing more. Ryan Dunn's a better defender, not as good on offense. Uh, this is a Furman team that's really weak on pick and roll defense, uh, pick and roll ball screen. But fortunately for them, Virginia doesn't do that hardly at all. They're 10% uh, plays, which is about as low as anybody on pick and roll ball screen action. I think Jalen Slauson, the SoCon player of the year, is the key to this, this game in general. His ability to stretch the floor from the front court could bother the pack line defense a bit here in a game like this. This is an absolute pace war, uh, you know, Furman wants to run. Virginia wants to play slowly. As far as um, the bet in this game, I'm seeing five and a half as a line. I think it's it's interesting because, you know, usually you'd be getting more than five and a half points in a four versus 13 type of game. But everybody knows Furman's pretty good. I think Virginia, if anything, might have been overseeded a bit um, so far. I, I thought it was interesting that Virginia got a four seed and then Duke got a five seed. Uh, surprising. But this Virginia team, well-coached by Bennett, for sure. I think Furman's uh, well-coached as well. This is a game where I see real upset potential 
I think the money line is at least worth a shot in a game like this. Kiev, there are different things that could happen in a game like this where if Virginia, if Beekman and them start having a really big game from the guard position, uh, certainly they could win and cover. But I see instances in which um, Furman could win this game. Money line price, uh, almost plus 200. Yeah, somewhere in that range. So I think Furman could win. You know, this is one of those 13 seeds that has a chance to win a game outright. Uh, Mike Bothwell, a really good player for Furman as well. They have a couple stars on the roster. Um, to me, this Furman has a shot in this game. And the fact that Virginia plays at a slower pace, plays a ton of close games, it leads to variance. You know, it gives gives people a chance. So um, I think Furman, if you're looking to be the the sharp guy who, who picks a underdog to win outright or maybe even win a game or two in the in the NCAA tournament. I think Furman, you, you could do a lot worse than Furman. Yeah, you certainly can. And it's funny when you said uh, overseeded, if you look at Haslam metrics, he has Virginia's Furman game, and he goes by the number of the top team. Houston's number one. You know, he has it second to last. And then you have teams like Maryland at 19, Auburn at 23, Texas A&M at 24, Arkansas 27, basically all these games are teams that are should have been seated higher, according to him, you know, just, just on strength, right? If you not go by most deserving and things like that, record quality, that this is not that great of a team. Um, I played Furman, Kyle, and I like Furman in this game for sure, you know. Uh, I, I think Hasley has this as a four-point spread, and he's right, this Virginia team – has been absolutely bleeding. And the Vanderplast injury, why is nobody talking about this? I, I was handicapping this game uh, last night when the lines came out, and I was like, six, eight forward, five rebounds per game? Uh, he's a big part of them. Furman can give this team fits. And uh, it's, it's one of those where Virginia could be looking past them a little bit. Um, you saw what happened with the same coach when they were the number one seed against the Baltimore Retrievers. That was a pretty interesting game. Uh, the only time a one seed lost. But, you know, this type of play has them very susceptible to teams that can score a little bit. Furman is number one, Kyle, on Ken Palm from two-point percentage. And when that power forward isn't there to block those shots and cause some trouble... Just like you said, guys like Slauson at six seven should have a field day. This this is an upset waiting to happen. Possibly, I like Furman. I like Furman here too, Kiev. Um, I think also there's a couple points about this that that are interesting, and I know we'll have to be quicker on some of the other games. But I thought this was a good one to to go pretty in depth on. Um, Vanderplas was part of the Ohio team that pulled the upset against Virginia. Then he goes to Virginia, and now he's out for the NCAA tournament. It's funny how the world goes round. Yeah, yeah but, right. Um, Virginia has, has no, uh, like you said, you had UMBC, then you had Ohio. It can be done against Virginia. We know it can be done. Furman is a veteran team that's came up just short a few times. Now they're finally in the big dance. I think this is a good one um, as a bet. I also think this is a good one if you're picking in the bracket contest where you get extra points for the seeds. Uh, you know, for the 13 seed winning 
in the first game, you get extra points. This is a good pick here in a bracket contest. Yeah, I think so too. It it's, it certainly is. And they haven't won a uh, NCAA tournament game since they won it all in 2019. So, yeah, there's another little thing to pay attention to. Well, good stuff. Yeah, let's move on then. We have Howard versus Kansas. Kansas is laying 20.5 points. I'm going to see if that's still accurate here. Um, and the total is 145.5. We also have Utah State, Missouri, but I think I just passed them. We'll do that next. Howard versus Kansas. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Well, this one's hard to get as excited about as the last game we were talking about. I mean, um, top seeds laying a big number versus a much weaker team have been good unders through the years. Um, you know, the one versus 16, the two versus 15. These are usually good unders because the team is so far ahead that they kind of let off the gas and you have low scoring last few minutes. Second half unders in games like this could make sense. The question is, um, you know, how is Howard going to stop Kansas in a game like this? I don't think their defense is in any form uh, the type of defense that you would expect to stop Kansas. They allowed 95 points against Kentucky, 86 against Yale. Belmont scored 96 points on them. It just depends on how much Kansas wants to score in a game like this. Um, Howard had a good season, nice run through the tournament there. Um, I just don't think that Howard has what it takes to stay in a game like this for very long. I think Howard probably tries to slow the pace down at least for a while, but I don't think that's likely to work. And once you get down big, um, you know, that's it's not going to continue for too long. My systems would suggest an underplay here. I don't know if I can do it, Kiev. This is one I still have to think about more. Um, you know, my, my number projections-wise is right about at this total. Um, like I said, systems-wise, it's been good unders, betting those one versus 16 under. It's just that Kansas, they're very capable of running and gunning, scoring a lot. And if you look at some of those one versus 16s that have gone over the total to kind of buck the trend, Kansas's name shows up quite a bit in games like that. Well, it really does, Kyle, but maybe you should look at a team total under if that was the case yeah. because uh, I was considering laying the 20 and a half, 21 with Kansas because, Howard, not only do they play fast, Kansas can play fast too when they want. They're, they're, they're just going to set the pace in this game. Um, the, Howard ranks 356 in turnovers. 356. It's like, how the heck are you in the NCAA tournament when you rank 356 in turning the ball over 22.9% uh, of your possessions? That's just going to add to Kansas's points more and more and more. You know, um, I mean, sure, they can shoot the three point in the Mid Eastern Athletic Conference in the MEAC, but it's a little different shooting against Kansas. You know, I don't think that they're going to score much. And that's what worries me. I wouldn't bet that I really looked at the total. I'm like, I'm considering that the under might tap in the last five minutes of the game when Kansas is running the clock, you know? And so that's what worries me. I would say I usually like first half uh, uh, unders, but I wouldn't bet the first half under in this. I think that Kansas is the right side, but the real play is wait till the game day and take the team total under for Howard. So according to Haslametric, or sorry, according to Ken Palm, it's going to be 63. That's probably too many points for them, Kyle. 
I think that's probably too many points too. And the other thing that you could do is take a live under. There's a lot of scoring early on, thinking that it probably slows down if Kansas gets a big lead because um, usually those one seeds do want to go ahead and sit some of their guys at the end of the games to get ready for that next round that's coming up just a couple days later. Okay. No, I totally agree. And it looks like he was looking at Furman plus 750 for the Sweet 16. Not sure if I'm ready to go that far with Furman, but uh, against the Wahoos, uh, definitely like that as an upset. So let's move on to the next game. And that is Utah State versus Missouri. Missouri is plus one and a half now. The total is 155, a pretty big total. Kyle, why don't you get started on this one? This total's high, but I don't want to bet the under, Kiev. This is a, a game where I think the pace will be quick. I think efficiency-wise, both these offenses have been very good. Neither defense is very good. Um, the analytical sites love Utah State. I mean, who has Utah State really beaten that's, that's good, um, especially away from home? Uh, but they've been impressive in many of their wins in that they they won by a large margin. Uh, you know, they played pretty well in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. We, we'd we be remiss if we didn't say that the Mountain West has not had success in the NCAA Tournament. Yeah. And you're going to hear that a lot this week. Um, you know, whether that's predictive of uh, this year, you know, I think it's fair to debate. But the Mountain West still has some things to prove, certainly. I think this is a great coaching matchup. Uh Odom's a great coach. That um, Gates is a fantastic coach as well. Really fun game. Utah State has not faced full court pressure hardly at all all season. Nobody in the Mountain West presses except for once in a while San Diego State does. San Diego State beat them every time they played them. Uh, this is a uh, Missouri team that's going to press and try to force turnovers. I think you'll like this one, Kiev. Uh, Missouri is first in the country in turnover margin. They've turned the ball over just 357 times themselves. Their opponents have turned it over a whopping 537 times. That's a large reason why Missouri is in this spot. And a team that wasn't supposed to get into the big dance has played their way into it by getting better and better throughout the course of the season. They've won that turnover margin game in and game out. So here they are as an underdog with a turnover margin advantage. Uh, I think this total is high for a very good reason, both teams being so efficient. I would I would bet the over if I had to bet a total here in this game. Um, I lean Missouri in this game, thinking that uh, Utah State has not really proven it that much. Uh, I think, to me, um, you know, you can't lay points with Utah State here in a spot like this, in my opinion. It's just, uh, you know, do you want to take it with, with Missouri? Missouri plays in the – the uh, SEC, which is not a great conference by any means, but the Mountain West, like I said, has plenty to prove. Um, I think Missouri will turn over Utah State. Utah State doesn't have an actual point guard. Ashworth is kind of playing point guard, even though he really should be a shooting guard. Uh, so I think Utah State's going to turn the ball over a decent amount here, and, and that will be a problem. I like Utah State in this game. And uh, it unfortunately goes against that. You know, I, There's two... Mountain West teams I see winning and what they're one of them uh not Boise I kind of like Northwestern there San Diego State is favored by five and a half and we'll get right into that game but I, I mean I looked at the numbers here and besides the turnovers which you mentioned Utah has Utah State just has a massive advantage they're 26 from three-point land adjusted while Missouri ranks 247th defending it 
The Aggies rank 45th in near proximity shots, while the Tigers 282nd defending it, you know. I mean, I don't know how they're going to rebound the ball here either because for some reason, Missouri, they just can't rebound the ball. 362nd they rank in defensive rebounds, only 234th in offensive rebounds. They play fast, so if they can get the turnovers, that could benefit them, but their defense is just sour. Now, I I did watch them, and I did bet them against Tennessee. I'm kind of glad that they made that nice little run. Uh, they had an easy finish to their schedule here, but it, it's just so many matchups favor Utah State, and I had to play them at the plus one earlier. Now it's kind of moved in my direction some. I like it up to minus one and a half. If you're going to go past that, I'd probably rather bet the money line. I didn't know I was going to find myself betting on the mountains, uh, a, mount, a mountain team like this, so I got to tell you, Kyle, I, I am a little nervous about it. No lies there. Yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from, and, and the price is definitely different than where you took it at. So that, that makes a difference because the game should probably be pretty close. I think if you like Utah State, you might also like Utah State team total over, thinking they're going to get their points. The question is how many points is Missouri going to score? Um, I, like I said, I tend to like Missouri. We usually don't disagree too much, but I, I we will disagree on this one. Um, I, I think this is a Utah State team that has some nice wins at home. Um, who have they beaten on the road or on neutral courts? Uh, not very many. You know, Washington State, a decent win, but they're not in the, the uh, NCAA tournament. A lot of their good wins are at home. Uh, they won at UNLV. UNLV didn't have a very good season. Uh, the neutral court win over Boise State was probably their best win there in the Mountain West Conference tournament. But uh, I like both of these teams in general, so it's not really me wanting to fade Utah State. It's just uh, I like – the fact that they haven't faced pressure and here they're about to face pressure from uh, Missouri. Yeah, they're certainly going to get plenty of pressure. And uh, yeah, they they did struggle against San Diego State. So if, uh, if, if that gets to them, they lost all three games against San Diego State. Very close games, 10 point first and two point then in the tournament here it was a five point. So they did hang in pretty tough you wonder if they grew up from that we'll see let's move on to the next game and i'm just going to pass on this one it is charleston versus san diego state i think the spread's good it just says san diego state is legit but charleston's pretty good minus five and a half uh this is going to be played in orlando total 141 i think the spread's fine so i'm passing uh i'll just give you a few notes about this one uh i think my favorite bet here would be the under if i had to bet something san diego state really good at turning games into rock fights um charleston wants to run certainly charleston's winning games kiev by dominating the boards also winning the turnover battle the question is can they do that against san diego state because san diego state certainly plays better teams than does charleston throughout the course of the regular season in fact san diego state 34th strength of schedule and Charleston 305th. I mean, just a massive difference there. Uh, Charleston relies on getting out in transition, attacking the basket. Guess which team's really amazing in transition defense? Uh, San Diego yeah, State. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know that Charleston's going to get those easy buckets that they're used to getting. So can they score in the half court? I mean, this San Diego State defense is really good. Having said that, though, do I want to trust San Diego State to lay this many points? I don't trust that San Diego State offense. I think uh, Matt Bradley is a good player, but he and the rest of the San Diego State team have been known to take some low percentage shots, especially late in the games. 
They go through these long scoring droughts. Um, I can't lay this many points with San Diego State. Uh, like I said, my favorite bet here is the under, thinking that uh, San Diego State does ugly up this game. Yeah, and one more thing. San Diego State on the road shooting 47.5 effective field goal in Charleston at 50.3. So it's like San Diego State can go on some serious scoring droughts. you know. So I like the first half under, too. So um, uh, that is one I circled. I forgot to mention that. So uh, I'll probably be looking at that one a little bit closer. I expect, uh, just like you said, transition defense to stop those uh, fast break points. I think that's huge. Let's move on to Princeton versus Arizona. And the spread on this one should be minus 14 and a half, it looks like, on Betfred. And the total is 154.5, a pretty high total, Kyle. So I'll start on this one. I I like how their fans travel. This is in Sacramento, California. I do expect there, there to be more Arizona Wildcat fans. A lot of people from California actually go to uh, U of A. And uh, I do expect to see a little bit more defense in this Cats team that they showed in the past. I noticed in the tournament, they kind of deed it up a little bit against uh, UCLA. Now, UCLA, more injury woes, and we'll get to that. But the efficiency sites say minus 13. Um, the spread's 14 and a half. I think because Arizona stepped up their D a little bit, it, that might be correct. But um, this is a pretty high total. Uh, Princeton has been known to score some points in the past. They shoot pretty well, but uh, I don't think they, they're going to be uh, in, in the same class as Arizona at all. And it's just weird. used to see these spreads being a lot bigger than they are now. I lean Arizona even with the line move. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the problem with Princeton is they haven't played anybody really good to have as a good uh, measuring stick here. I mean, Princeton over the last two or three years has really not played anybody good in the non-conference slate. So um, they played Hofstra in the first game at home and lost. They, they lost to Iona on a neutral. Uh, they, they didn't play anybody else. Uh, so I, I don't know what to make of Princeton. I know they'll want to slow the game down. They don't want anything to do with that track meet that, uh, Arizona wants to play. Um, I, I think Arizona is just too talented, too athletic for a team like Princeton. Um, Arizona's undoing in this tournament eventually will be turnovers, in my opinion. I don't think Kirk Carissa and the backcourt are good enough at take, taking care of the basketball. 18.4% of their offensive possessions uh, end in a turnover. I think it's hard to win an NCAA championship um, at that rate of turnovers, unless your defense is like elite, very, very good. I think Arizona's defense is pretty good, but not elite. Uh, Princeton's going to shoot a ton of threes in this game. They, they really have got to shoot a ton of threes. If they're making their threes, then who knows? You know, if they, <laughs> it's funny. Steve said I had Arizona winning it all. Hey, don't let me talk you out of it, Steve. I, I, but I, I don't think Arizona will win at all. Maybe but. you're not his favorite guy after this now, Kyle. You <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. I just went down Steve's <laughs> power rankings. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, no, I, I think uh, I think Arizona's a good team. I think they will win several games here, but I don't think they'll be able to beat everybody uh, with those turnover problems. Will that manifest itself in a game like this? <laughs> that's good, Steve. So I, I didn't fall too far down there uh, in the rankings. But – no, I think um, Arizona minus eight in the first half, Kiev, is my favorite play here. I think Arizona right from the jump is too good for Princeton. 
Uh, Princeton hasn't played anybody like this. I think it's kind of be a shock to the system. Um, uh, I think Arizona can run away from this, uh, run away from this Princeton team pretty early. So first half bet on Arizona is what I would bet. Yeah, yeah I certainly don't disagree with that. I mean, it, sometimes it's just better to cut these spreads in half because they kind of s- slow walk through the last 10 minutes of the game where they're putting backups in. They're trying not to get injured. And um, that's important consideration to move forward, you know, rest your guys. So when you're laying these big spreads, that's what you have to watch out for. And we've uh, definitely uh, been booked by that. So, yeah, it looks like he's an ASU grad. So uh, he's, he's, he's maybe he's like emotionally betting. So at least uh, it, when, if, <laughs> if Arizona wins, he, he, he at least he gets his bracket money for it. <laughs> But then he could boo them if they lose. So I know how that goes. <laughs> Let's go to Auburn or Illinois versus Arkansas is the next one. Arkansas is minus two and a half. The total is 144 in Des Moines, Iowa. Take it away, Kyle. All right, Kiev, I'm going to be short on this one. Um, Illinois disappointed me a lot this year. I thought they'd be better than they were. Um, I think it's I think it's fair to ask at this point, is Brad Underwood a really good coach? I mean, when he was hired... Uh, people thought that he was an amazing coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I feel like Illinois should be better than they've been so far this year. And I kept thinking they would improve, improve, and they just didn't. You know, this is who they are, apparently. Arkansas has high upside with Nick Smith. They haven't consistently been good either. This is not a game I'm interested in betting. So I don't know if you have anything on this one, but I'm passing here. Yeah, I don't disagree with passing on this. Um I thought Matthew Mayer was going to really make this team a lot better, and I lost some money on Illinois this year for sure. I, it's a messy game in my opinion. It's almost like these two teams kind of deserve each other by the way they finished it out. I mean, Arkansas lost four of their last five games, six of their last nine. Illinois lost three of their last four games, six of their last ten. Um, neither team's good away. Uh, Arkansas is probably the correct favorite, but they don't shoot free throws. They, they're they're in the high 200s. It's like, are you going to back a, sm- a small favorite if they can't shoot free throws? Heck no. You know, Fall City is going to put uh, Illinois right back into it. Plus, they'll, go, they'll hit a three or something. There's nothing good in this game to bet on. Probably 144 is probably good, too. Let's pass on this one. Move on to the next. And this is also another debacle because we have another two teams, Auburn versus Iowa. And more disappointment this year. Uh, Iowa plus one. The total is 152.5 in Birmingham, Alabama. So I made a play on this, and it's a small one, Kyle. Um, It's in Birmingham, okay? I mean, what is that, 100 (laughs) miles from Auburn? You know, it's kind of the first thing that I noticed. Iowa, by the numbers, has advantages in near proximity, but Auburn's got advantages for three points, mid-range and near proximity off that terrible Iowa defense. Auburn has done well on neutral courts a little bit earlier this season. So, And for the fact that they're, it's almost like they're at home, man, Iowa's just been so pathetic away. I think it's not their year. I think it, Auburn probably shows up this game. I took them at the minus one for just a small play at one and a half stars. Kiev, I'd like to bet against both of these teams, but they're playing me <laughs> against each other. So unfortunately, I can't do that. Um, Iowa, Fran McCaffrey hasn't been very good in March of late in general. You know, his teams that have been expected to do well at Iowa haven't made a good run. They're not good enough on defense. Um, 
Auburn isn't very good. Uh, they're th 353rd as a metrics and consistency, and Iowa's 343rd. I mean, yuck. What an ugly game. This is not one of my favorite games by far. Um, I'm off this game. Like I said, I would have wanted to fade both of these teams. I think if I had to pick, I would pick Auburn. So I kind of agree with your your small player there on that one. But I'm going to pass here. All right, good stuff. Let's move on to a crazy game, and that is maybe the best game to watch in the first round. Oral Roberts versus Duke. Duke minus six and a half here. Let me just double check that on the Betfred odds screen. And why did they, they don't have it up on here for some reason. I'll have to look at another one. Yeah, six and a half it is on DraftKings. The total of this game is 146. So I think the total of this game tells a story a little bit, Kyle. 146 isn't like what you would have thought that Duke and Oral Roberts would be. Now, Duke has slowed it down. They're not the same Duke they were. But Oral Roberts is such a fast-paced, high-flying, high-shooting team. It's it's really weird how this set up because I, I think everyone wanted to pick Oral Roberts before they got seated against Duke. Yeah. Duke, Duke is much better than everybody in the ACC. When it, they were hurt was when I was fading them without a couple of their guys. And this and Filipowski pretty much had to carry them the whole time, you know, and when Duke got back uh, Roach, when they got back Derek Whitehead, it, it, they, they're they almost out at like the same, like soon as one got healthy, the other one went out. It was, it was just a bad situation for them. Um, after they were both back, they just started kicking butt, you know, and they won a ton of games in a row. And they just showed me like, wow, this Duke team ranking number 24th in defensive efficiency, even with the injuries, they're starting to hit their threes again. Filipowski's a stud. I, 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 my number seven, I, I have them minus seven. I think that Connor Vanover, the seven, five dude is great against these little guys, but Philip Kowski is the best seven foot athlete in all of the NCAA. I mean, he's the athlete that's going to take a, a Vanover. He's going to rough him up a little bit. And I think that's going to go a long way. Um, they don't do Duke, Duke really. I hate betting on them, Kyle. I hate picking them. But I feel the bracket really. I feel the bracket set up really well from them, um, especially if Zach Eady gets in foul trouble. You know how the whistles are in this tournament. Um, I, I think Duke gets to the Sweet Sixteen. I bet them at plus one eighty to get to the Sweet Sixteen, and I think that's a good bet because they don't have to play Purdue until the Elite Eight anyway. You know, I, I, I Oral Roberts is probably going to be a trendy pick, but uh, Oral Roberts when they stepped up in competition, lost by eight to St. Mary's, lost by forty to Houston lost to Utah state just uh you know didn't beat anybody but Liberty I guess but um don't get me wrong I, I like Oral Roberts and they can only score when they're going fast they're playing a serious big team now at Duke I, I think that Duke candles yeah I would have thought that Oral Roberts had a decent chance to win the first game outright and then I saw who they were seated against here and immediately questioned that, certainly. Um, Duke, Kiev, Kiev and I, neither one would be considered Duke fans. I'll say that to start <laughs> with. Uh, you know, so we would want to go against Duke if possible. And I mean, I, you know, as a, as a fan, I would root for Oral Roberts in a game like this. But 
uh, money is more important than rooting as a fan. And Oral Roberts, um, everybody talks about Vanover, and he, he's been fantastic for Oral Roberts this year. But Vanover's seven foot five, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. I mean, he is not strong. He's very tall, very long. Duke has plenty of big guys. Uh, I think they're going to go at him and try to get him in foul trouble in a game like this. It would surprise me if they don't. Also, uh, it's concerning to me that, you know, 90% of the money is on Oral Roberts here. It's like people are just saying Oral Roberts is going to cover easily. Um, I mean, 39% of the bets on Duke. This one fits several of the angles that we talked about, Kiev. Uh, you know, this is a this is a uh, Duke team that's very rarely bet against by the public. But so many talking heads say Oral Roberts to the Sweet 16. Oral Roberts, you know, they're too good. Uh, Mac, Max Acemas, they're so fun to watch. I think Oral Roberts is a good team. But Filipowski is tremendous. I mean, he's playing really, really well. Uh, Duke comes into this game with a ton of momentum. momentum. Um, I think Vanover is not as effective in this game as some people thinks, think he will be. And I, I think this is a Duke team that is playing far better than what their rankings would suggest for the course of the season. Like you said, Jeremy Roach was out for a good while. He's very important to this team. Um, I think Duke has a very real chance of even getting to the final four in this, this bracket. Uh, Kiev, uh, maybe a spoiler here, but I don't even know that they'll play Purdue. I think Purdue might even lose before they get to that <laughs> point. So uh, we'll see, but I, I think Duke has a pretty good setup here. Yeah. I think that, I think, this bracket sets up well for Duke or Marquette. Memphis is going to be a tough out for Purdue if Memphis beats FAU. So that and that could be your turnover margin one for FAU actually on that game as well. But um, I, I think that if if Edie's in fall trouble, and, and you're right, I think Duke could play it smart to go right at Vanover. And Duke's three point defense is 21st in the league, and that's how they're going to stop Earl Roberts. They're not going to let him get open threes. Those easy ball screens coming off the screen. Uh, or catch-and-shoot ones, I think Duke's going to be all over that. And they've seen plenty of that in the ACC. So, I, yeah, I like Duke here for sure. I, I'm not going to bet them, but I did bet them to go to the Elite Eight, uh, or sorry, the Sweet 16 in the Final Four. So I like that. Let's move on to the next game, and we have Colgate versus Texas. Texas is minus 14, total 147. What do you have, Kyle? Let's think about the last three times that Colgate's been in the NCAA tournament, Kiev. So the last three times they've been in the tournament, 2019 against Tennessee, they led in the second half of that game. They did lose. They led in the second half of the game. Um, two years ago against Arkansas, they led for most, most of the game. I mean, they were winning the majority of that game, and then um, ten, or Arkansas kind of got them with their pressure later in the game. And then last year against Wisconsin, you know, Colgate did lead in the second half of that game as well. Colgate is a very well-coached team. I think um, Langle is a tremendous head coach. Uh, this is a Colgate team that is going to be very well-prepared. The question is, is that enough? You know, because Texas is so um, athletic, physical, very well-balanced team. I tend to think that Colgate can hang around at least for a while, but I don't know that I want to bet them to cover – the full game here. So maybe Colgate first half uh, would be a lean for me. This one also fits the higher seed with a pretty big spread. Take the under, which has been a good angle to go in the past. Having said that, I think Colgate can score. 
I don't know that Colgate can defend Texas well enough. So it's one of those where the system would say bet the under. I don't think I can bet the under in this game. Uh, Colgate first half maybe, but nothing strong for me here. Well, I did take plus 15 when it opened, and it's now down to 14 and 13 and a half. And, you know, I I heard a couple other shows, uh, Gil Alexander, a couple other ones say they would rather take Colgate the first half. I get that point, but Texas blows some leads themselves. And um, I I, I hate to go against the trend, but I like the over 147. Texas gives up points from three. They rank 97th in defending it. Colgate's the number one three-point shooting team in the nation. At 40.9%, I think they could really put Texas into some trouble if Texas is sleeping a little bit. You know, Texas is a little fat and happy from winning the uh, Big 12 tournament. Now, Texas has the easiest one seed for sure, and that, of course, also depends upon Sasser. If Sasser is going to be injured or not for Houston, he's injured with his groin. Something's wrong there. Uh, So I think Texas has the most winnable two seed to get far, but they also have the hardest 15 seed in Colgate. In my opinion, and and it's by and it's easy. Holgate's a really good team. I think they step it up a little bit. I think this total gets passed, Kyle. I, I like it over one forty-seven. Yeah, I I do want to say that the system would say take the under. I don't want to take the under. In fact, I do think that the over is probably the better bet here, just because I think Colgate will give up a lot of points, but I think they can score enough from three as well. So um, we'll see where this line goes as far as the total. It'll be interesting to see throughout the week because I know some people just blindly bet those systems. Um, that's why it should only be part of your handicap, though. Yeah, for sure. And now going by your hat, Kyle, I think it's time for a Big Ten versus Mountain West game. Uh, Boise State versus Northwestern. Northwestern minus one and a half. Total is 128. This is played in Sacramento, California. I mean, I, I struggled with this one a little bit. If you asked me two weeks ago, I'd be hammering Northwestern, but they lost four of their last five games. Uh, There's so Jekyll and Hyde on offense. Boo Booey's probably their best player. Well, maybe, maybe he's not. Maybe it's Chase Audige is their best player. You know, I, I've been back and forth on that. I think Audige has kind of taken over a little bit there, but he's a defensive guy, and if Audige isn't hitting, Boo Booey can be cold as heck from it, from shooting. I don't think Boo Booey's uh, all that great of a shooter. And now I did take Northwestern as a flyer way early when they were on a nice little run to make this uh, Final Four at 30-1. to one. I'm not sure if I love that bet no more, and but Boise State is a very... <sighs> I feel an overrated team a little bit. They've stepped it up big at home, just like everybody in the Mountain West. But when they go away, you know, they're losing to San Jose State. They lost to Utah State bad. Uh, They had to go to overtime against UNLV, which completely burned my under ticket, as you remember. Uh, Then they lost on the neutral against Utah State, which, you know, if you kind of like Missouri, they lost to Utah State by 10. It, it, you know, what does that say? I, I wouldn't bet Boise State here in this situation. I think Northwestern wins. I think it could be a very close game. Am I there to lay the minus one and a half? Not really. I, I, I think I would lean it, but I'm not, I don't need to. No, I don't want to bet side on this game. Um, I, if I were forced to, I guess I'd probably bet Northwestern, but I just don't think there's a reason to to try to look for a angle to bet a side on this one. Both of these teams are far better on defense than they are on offense. I think this is going to be one of those grinders where neither team gets good shots. Uh, Boo Booey is one of those players that 
uh, he could score 35 points or he could shoot 20 times and score five points. You know, a very uh, streaky shooter. He's a good player for sure. And I think most people would say he's their best player. But like you said, Audige is definitely a very good defender, um, good shot blocker, also gets a lot of steals, uh, very versatile player. So to me, if you look at Northwestern over the last couple weeks, uh, maybe last month, you look at their totals. I mean, they've had some very low scoring games played to a very slow pace. Uh, even their games that went into overtime, uh, Penn State and uh, Penn State and Penn State again, obviously, 133 and 132 points in overtime. And we'll talk about Penn State more, but Penn State's a good offensive team. So to have that low of a uh, scoring game against Penn State says quite a bit. Uh, I think this will be a very slow-paced game. I would bet the under if I were betting this I, game. I wrote first half under, so um, I might be – it's 59, and I hate it when it gets to the fives, but it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't mean it's not the right side. <laughs> right. It does not mean that. Um, it's uh, 128 right now for the full game. Uh, foul city would worry me a little bit with that lure of a number. So uh, I'm also uh, yeah, because if it's a very close spread, then, you know, that could certainly happen. So let's move on to the next game. Northern Kentucky versus Houston uh, minus 19 and a half uh, total 123 pass. Uh, I, I think Houston's very fraudulent, even with Sasser, but throwing the Sasser injury, we don't know what the heck's going on here. I, you know, I almost think, you know, if I knew Sasser was out, I'd probably bet, ugly northern kentucky team that wasn't even the one seed in the horizon league and i really thought it was gonna be youngstown state coming out of that but either way uh I, i'm not betting houston with money 19 and a half and i'm passing kiev you and i disagree about houston i think houston's better than you do uh one of the few things we disagree about but um if sasser's playing i think houston is is the final four team if he's healthy um this is a Houston team that's very complete, in my opinion. One reason I don't like Northern Kentucky in this game, um, Northern Kentucky can't get a defensive rebound. They can't get a defensive rebound to save their life. Uh, this is a Houston team that's going to play volleyball on the offensive glass here. It's going to be ridiculous how many offensive rebounds they get in this game. They rank fourth um, as it is. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, Kiev, I think they might get back half their shots in this game. I mean, it, it's okay. good. Half their missed shots are probably going to be offensive rebounds. So it, it's one of those where a uh, really slow pace of maybe 59 possessions or something really low, you'd think, well, you can't lay this many points. But I don't think Northern Kentucky is going to score very many points and they can't get defensive rebounds. So I'm not taking Northern Kentucky. I know that. Uh, for me, it's either lay the points with Houston. And I don't want to lay the points with Houston unless I know Sasser's healthy. So um, we'll see about that. But lay the points with Houston or pass. And again, you know, this would fit an under angle being a big spread. Uh, the question is, can you take this low of an under when one of the teams can't get a defensive rebound? And to me, that's awfully tough to do. Northern Kentucky team total under probably once again. Yeah. We, we seem to default to that a lot, but if it's hot, it's hot, man. It's like, you were right. They're not going to get a defensive rebound, and they're not going to have the ball much. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it, you know. So uh, I'll write that down and take a look at it when it comes out. A lot of these are shaded, going to be shaded to the under. Just keep that in mind. These books ain't dumb. All right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, we have Louisiana versus 
your boy Rick Barnes in Tennessee, Kyle. <laughs> My favorite guy. <laughs> your favorite guy. I mean, you know what's funny? It's 10 and a half. The total's 136. Is Louisiana really that good? Here, this is a situation where I think maybe they pull, maybe Tennessee does pull it together for one game, you know? And um, and the Ziegler injury now is starting to age some. They should be figuring it out now a little bit more without the point guard. I think they played probably three or four games without Ziegler. There's got to be a point where the Vols just lay it on somebody. I would think it probably would be this game, and then they completely go back to Fade City the next. So I, I'm just I, I would lean the small spread on a Tennessee team that at one point was the number one seed and. You know, I, I, I'm not a big Louisiana guy, but, man, it's it's really tough to bet on Rick Barnes, Kyle. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll believe that. I, I cannot believe so many people are picking Louisiana to win outright here in this game. I, I saw on TV so many people saying Louisiana over Tennessee right away. Who has Louisiana played and had success against that would make us think they'd beat Tennessee? I mean – it's Rick Barnes, and, and he's the worst coach when it comes to ATS, 8-19 uh, against the spread NCAA tournament dating back to 2006. And in general, at the end of the year, from game 22 of the season on, 39% against the spread. Uh, so I don't trust Rick Barnes. Uh, nothing personal against him. It's just uh, you know his teams haven't been able to do it. And um, at the same time, Louisiana – uh, Jordan Brown's really good for Louisiana, but who else on their team? You know, I don't think he has nearly enough help. Tennessee has plenty of big guys on the inside. You play Sunbelt teams. Jordan Brown dominates in the front court. Louisiana played a weak non-conference schedule. They lost by 12 to Drake, by 28 to Texas. I think Tennessee wins here. I don't want to lay points with Rick Barnes, Kiev, so I'm not going to lay the points. But I'm definitely not taking uh, Louisiana plus the points here. And looking ahead... I would definitely like Duke against Tennessee in round two. And I honestly think Oral Roberts would have a chance in that game as well. So yeah, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee for one game, and then uh, make sure you don't trust Rick Barnes. <laughs> All right. I'm glad we're on the same page here. But it looks like I, I'm not Steve's other favorite guy no more because – I just hated on Houston, and he had them against the, the Arizona Wildcats, so I think it go well. Hey, I have some advice. Fill out multiple brackets. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I got to tell you, this next game, Penn State versus Texas A&M, oh, it's just like you said. I believe Texas A&M was seeded wrong, too. I think they're better than their seed, but – Penn State might be better than their seed, too. What do we say about the tournament, Kyle? It's for guard play. And the Big Ten, I've never seen such bad guard play in the Big Ten in my life than I have this year. But there is one guard that outshined everybody, and it's Penn State's uh, – was it Jalen Pickett? Pickett. Yeah, Jalen Pickett. Yeah, it's just left my mind for a second. Uh, I have to pull up their their team here. So, yeah, he's been – amazing and part of the reason why they made such a good run beating northwestern in overtime indiana and then <laughs> purdue almost blew that game i don't know what matt painter was thinking i was watching i was like i had i had plus seven and a half plus eight on penn state and i thought that thing was toast when they were down six to eight going you know in, into plinko range and then all of a sudden, Purdue almost gives the game away. I'm like, my plus eight's looking good now. My money line might actually come through with my little dabble I played on that. But uh, 
going back to uh, Penn State, they don't care about rebounding the off uh, on offense. They seem to be a defensive-oriented team. Now, I've seen them speed up in the past, but it's just so weird to see Penn State being so red, 362nd in offensive rebounds. Man, rebound the ball some, guys. Seth Lundy, get your butt in there. You know They're not that tall like they used to be um down low you know they're they're actually kind of a short team and that's why you know Zach Eady was having a field day for most of their game but Texas A&M's not all that tall either they got marble and that's really about it you know they're a bunch of six five six six guys similar to Penn State they're a very gritty team and I they're they're well put together but Texas A&M doesn't shoot the ball that well either they play a little bit faster but they seem to care a little bit on defense uh to get back enough to slow down the other teams. So I, I know they're not rebounding on defense a little bit, but I would probably look towards the under in this one, Kyle. I, I didn't make a play on it. Um, if this thing gets a little bit more out of hand, I might have to play Penn State, but I, I'm going to lean to the under. What are your thoughts? I don't have anything strong here in this game that I really want to bet that much. Um, Tennessee is a really efficient offense. Uh, they don't play quickly. Uh, they do make shots. Jalen Pickett is tremendous. He, he's very, very good. Um, third in the country in assist rate. Uh, shoots 38.3% from three-point range. Penn State's 13th in effective field goal percentage offense. Texas A&M relies really heavily on getting, getting to the free throw line. Penn State defends without fouling very well, so something has to give. Uh, you know, which will that be? I'm not sure. Uh, I think this number is too low for me to take an under. Um, I think the pace should be an under pace, but I'm worried that Penn State's too good on offense and not that great on defense. 101st in defensive efficiency. Um, I, I think Penn State's trying to get back instead of getting those offensive rebounds, but, you know, their defense totally hasn't been very good. So uh, maybe they should try for some more of those offensive rebounds. Uh <laughs> I think I lean toward Penn State plus the points because I think both of these teams are underseeded. Uh, Texas A&M got an unfortunate draw to be playing this good of a team in round one, certainly. Um, and uh, my lean would be Penn State, but nothing too strong. And uh, my number is higher than this for the total. Um, I think in general, uh, Penn State games have been pretty good over bets just because of their efficiency. Texas A&M has slowed down at the end of the year, and we've seen them come in under quite a bit. There's a lot of conflicting things in this game to where I, th I think this is a better game to watch than it is to bet. It is pretty conflicting by how Penn State is efficient, but they don't get the rebounds, yet Texas A&M gets a ton of offensive rebounds, yet plays bad defense or or, or, or no, sorry, plays good defense, but doesn't rebound on defense. Yeah, it, it's all over the board, really. So I, I would lean the points with Penn State, but it wouldn't shock me if A&M beat them by a decent margin. This Penn State team is just so bad down low, and uh, that was their problem. And when I said lean the under, I wish – this is the one I complained to you about, Kyle. I'm like, what the heck's going on? The 134.5, Ken Palm's got it 140. And we both know that Ken Palm is a little bit shaded to the higher totals, and we think that's a mistake. Uh, Haslametrics is a little bit lower on this, which is more correct. I didn't look at what Torvik has it, but um, it's important to uh, know that definitely Ken Palm is not the Bible, and the market is telling you that in a lot of these games. 
Final game, Kyle. North Carolina Asheville versus UCLA. Why don't you take this one first? Yeah, Kiev, I, I hate that UCLA is so banged up injury-wise. Um, full transparency, I was going to take UCLA to win the bracket if they didn't get banged up. I like UCLA a lot. Um, I think Jalen Clark means quite a bit to the team. Adem Bona status is not clear. He's not 100%. It's not looking good. Yeah, it's not looking good. I mean, and we saw against Arizona, uh, UCLA wins that game if they're healthy. Um, Arizona was fortunate to win the game even with UCLA banged up. Uh, I think Arizona led for like 55 seconds of the second half, but it happened to be right at the end of the game. Uh, UCLA is a good team. I, I really like their defense a lot. Um, and Hawkes is tremendous. I think he's still underrated. I know people know he's very good, but he is fantastic. Um, so how about Hawkes here versus UNC Asheville star big man Drew Pember? That's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, Pember has not played against people as good as Jaime Hawkes, that's for sure. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how that goes. I think Drew Pember is talented enough uh, from UNC Asheville that he may even be, uh, you know, be able to make an NBA roster in the future. Uh, you know, what can he do in a game like this? Because he's not used to playing against teams as good. Uh, I don't know. I, like I said, at 100% full strength, uh, I think UCLA could have won the NCAA tournament. Um, I can't pick them to win it now. I do think they're a very good team. Their defense is fantastic. They don't give up open shots. I think UNC Asheville has a really hard time scoring in a game like this. So my favorite bet in this game would be UNC Asheville team total under. Okay, team total under. I actually like, unfortunately, UNC Asheville had a larger number that I played a little bit. And you said it right there, Drew Pemper. I mean, he'd be a stretch four in the NBA, wouldn't he? I mean, he's shooting 37.6% from three. You know, he, he made 56 out of 149. That's pretty good for a 6'11 dude. But not only that, he's playing 84.7% of the minutes. How often do you see a big guy like that playing all those minutes? But they also have another 6'8 guy in Nick McMullen. He plays, uh, you know, almost 60% of the game. So they do have some size. And just like you said, man, uh, with Bona out, now you lost two defensive guys, kind of. You know, it's like how many more... Guys, can UCLA bleed here? I think UCLA wins. Yeah, I, this is one that I really wouldn't necessarily sprinkle any money line on. But, you know, UNC Asheville, uh, I think they keep it within 15. You know, I, I, I just think that 19 was a little too much. So I took it. I'd still take it at 17 and a half, probably down to uh, 15 and a half or something like that. Just for a small play for a couple stars. I just think you got to attack UCLA a little bit now that they're injured, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame uh, UCLA wasn't at full strength because there could have been some epic matchups there in that bracket. Uh, that's a loaded bracket, by the way. So that, that'll be a fun one as it is. But uh, UCLA uh, laying that many points, I wouldn't be interested in laying that many points either. Um, my concern would be UNC Asheville plays a weak schedule throughout the course of the season. They stepped up and played at Dayton, lost by 23, lost to uh, Arkansas by 34 points. So... I don't know. Um, they did beat uh, UCF, a pretty good team on the road. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to bet a side on this one. Like I said, I think uh, I, I would lean under for the game overall, but probably would have liked the under better if UCLA was at full strength. Yeah, that UCF game was the first game of the season, too. Yeah. 
I always like to cross them off. Um, yeah, it's almost like this Asheville team got a lot better, I think, just because the margins that they were beating their teams with was you know, a pretty good amount until kind of Campbell gave them a little bit of a run, I guess, in the Big South tournament. But, um, yeah, I just I just thought it was a few too many, and I could beat my words. Maybe UCLA does come out and explode them a little bit, but um, maybe look to the under two a little bit and – uh, like you said, the, the team total under, just because they get a team total under, that could hit and they could cover. So you never know in those situations. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for commenting. Uh, Kuma Ryu, Steve W. We, we didn't even, like, announce we were doing this, but you guys came in anyway and uh, supported us. So really want to give you guys a shout-out and thank you for commenting. And it always makes it a lot funner when you do so. So really appreciate that. But, Kyle, before we go, is there any – and, like, obviously we went through a full slate of Thursday games. Anything for Friday that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, man. I, I first, I'm I'm impressed at the people who tuned in here on this late night edition, uh, especially for the East Coasters yeah. uh, like myself. But uh, you know, I'm a night owl, so it didn't bother me. Um, this is a loaded slate of games on Friday. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing your your input on on some of the Friday games too. I mean, everybody's betting Kent. Everybody and their mom and dad are all betting Kent against Indiana. Uh, you know, what could possibly go wrong? I do think Kent is a good team. Um, so, you know, we'll see. And I don't like Indiana very much. But I think the game that that probably interests me the most as far as the side that I'd be interested in would be Iona and UConn. Um, you know, this is an Iona team that I know Rick Patino is a good head coach, but uh, you know, Rick Pitino is just a little over 500 uh, in the NCAA tournament in his career. So uh, let's not make it sound like, you know, he's just going to be a miracle worker or something. And Rick Pitino is probably leaving really soon from Iona, right? So, I mean, I, I think everybody knows that Rick Pitino is like the top option of so many other people. Um, some of his comments would suggest that he's probably leaving here pretty soon. Iona stepping up in class in a big way against UConn. Uh, this is a fun game where it's going to be played at Albany. I think I would lay the points there with UConn. Uh, UConn laying the points against an Iona team that people will talk up a decent amount throughout the course of the week. Um, you know, more than half the bets are on them. 66% of the money is on Iona. Uh, we'll see if the line goes down a little bit more, but I like UConn in that one. No, no disagreement with me there. I think they can cover, and I still think this game can go under as well. I think you UConn's uh, going to choke them out pretty much defensively, and that's what UConn's so great at. I think UConn is incorrectly seeded at the four seed. I think they should have been a two seed with their strength. They're ranked number four on Ken Palm. They're in the top five in most metric sites. Um, they, they Did they have their hiccup in the middle of the year? Sure, everybody really did this year. There's no outstanding number one team in my opinion but um i love how they rank number 18th in defensive efficiency and opponent effective field goal percent uconn is number 11 uh they can rebound the ball uh, they just when they're when they're on they're on you know and in case they might be a little off it, it leans towards the under a little bit more now i know iona speeds it up but they're not going to be able to speed it up against uconn when they step up in competition here to a team like UConn, I think that they can't get go the running, and it's an NCAA tournament game. So I, I took the under. I got a little line value on it. I think I took it at uh, 144.5. It's 143 right now. So 
I would still lean to the under in that one, Kyle. The other thing I'd point out, Kiev, about that is um, UConn being a four seed is pretty crazy when you think about the fact that if UConn plays Kansas on a neutral, I think UConn's favored over Kansas, the number one seed. Yeah. Uh, so UConn's a really good four seed. I think a fantastic four seed. Um, so Iona, they, they're they're up against it in that one, in my opinion. And I, I think UConn could be overlooked by some people. Um, fantastic region down there with Kansas, UConn, uh, UCLA, Gonzaga. That one will be a lot of fun. That's right. And Kay Neal, yes, you're right. After this podcast, I'm going to be late night looking at some lines as well. I'm going to be uh, finishing up here. I still got to go through quite a few Friday games for tomorrow's show with uh, Steve Perry from Shot Quality. So we are just going every day here at the Oddsbreakers. But so is Kyle. Always has some great information. Always has some fun stuff going on in the tournament. What's going on over there at Hunter Sports Picks? Yeah, you can check out all my work there at huntersportspicks.com. You can sign up for the free picks newsletter. We'll be sending out several free plays. Also, um, follow me at uh, on Twitter, at KyleHunterPicks. I put up a March Mad- Madness betting information angles thread, which is taken off here pretty nicely. I'm going to be adding to that throughout the week. I like looking for these angles and trends, and I know other people have found them helpful. So I'll keep adding to that throughout the week and throughout the tournament. Uh, you can find my March Madness pass there at huntersportspicks.com as well. And uh, 28 and 10, last 38 plays. So we'll see if I can keep it going here throughout March. And uh, I know last March, both Kiev and I had a really nice March. So hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, let's repeat that, baby. And yes, you're right, Kyle. is an amazing Twitter follow. Make sure you check us out at theoddsbreakers.com. We have a guy working on every single quadrant. Um, you know, giving out some free plays, giving out some leans, maybe trying to find some information that's not quite out there yet. We always try to tweet that out as well. Some of the retweets with some of the injury information, these UCLA injuries, these Kansas injuries, there's some Houston injuries out there. You always got to be mindful of them when making bets from an offensive angle and a defensive angle. But check us out, the Oddsbreakers. We have all that information for you, and we have our March Madness Tournament Challenge. Make sure you get in that, baby. It's free. $500. We are giving away a prizes. Thank you guys so much for chiming in. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the week, and go get some winners. <laughs>